It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we look at episodes of The Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. I have two guests today. They are a writing team. Uh, their website is Bird Guest. Hello, Susan and Tilly Bridges. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming. I did actually read a Kill Switch on the train yesterday. So oh, I had wow, a good time you. with that one. So <laughs> definitely cool. Now, I don't. You, you, you can call this a compliment because that means I was thinking about it more. But uh, I found myself every two pages being like, I need to go back and reread those two pages. So I was like kind of <laughs> like reading it like in a little bit of a time loop. So <laughs> sure. We like we like to get you thinking, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just I'd be like, wait a minute. I just missed like three things and in the writing and in the art as well. So I definitely yeah, definitely um, I was looking at the Kindle version where it had all the behind the scenes stuff in the and between the issues. So that was pretty interesting too ah uh, yeah walter G giovanni did a wonderful job on the art so yeah yes he's tremendous it's nice to be able to linger over his fantastic work yeah yeah it's been uh my comic reading is usually like every once in a while i'll want to get a book and it's like do kindle unlimited it's like a dollar more and then i'll just like binge on whatever comics they have uh for mm -hmm. a month but yours is not on unlimited so i just you know got it straight up but i you know it was worth it so <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate it. We do. Today's episode is Nervous Man in a $4 Room. Um, I guess the, since it's your first time and let's talk a little bit about uh, how, you know, how the Twilight Zone sort of entered your life. I had this weird thing I've said before where I grew up like knowing the 80s one very well because I was always on TV and um, didn't really get into the originals until about around the year 2000. And uh Recently, I'm doing the podcast, so now I'm just like, you know, laser focusing on each and every episode. Um, where did you yeah. first get started on, on, the, on the zone? Um, I used to stay up late at night when I was a kid watching the original uh, originals very late, and they would mess me up. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of intense, but if you're a kid. Uh, um, but I loved them ever since then. And then we would, uh, we would catch the reruns or the, um, the marathons that they would do like on New Year's Eve. We would always watch those. Yeah. And uh, now we're we're doing. I don't even know how long they've been doing that, but a really long, a really time. long time. And now we've, we've started. Uh, we realized that there was a bunch that we've still never seen. So we've been working through them in order yes. uh, with our kid watching them all. Um, so we're in the middle of season three now and they're still there's just there. There's so many I hadn't seen before. I was really excited. Yeah, we realized like for those um New Year's marathons, they just kind of play the same ones. Yeah, the and, same ones get a lot of air. It's not all of them. Right. So <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, we've seen this one 14 times and this one never. So it's been really kind of fun to go through them and I make little posts on Twitter about each episode. How did you first get into Twilight Zone? Me? Yeah. Um, did you it, watch it as a kid like me up late getting the crap know, scared out of you? I don't remember staying up late to watch it. Mm. I remember staying up late to watch Quantum Leap reruns. Well, sure. <laughs> but like, 
uh, it was just kind of one of those shows that was kind of always on at yeah. some point, like yeah. in the background, like my household was very TV focused because I had no supervision. And so it was <laughs> like we, me and my brother and my sister watched a whole bunch of stuff we probably shouldn't have been watching, but this was one of those things that was just kind of in the mix. Let's sure. Say. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I am. There's so many of these I had not seen before. Um, mm -hmm. It, it, I'd seen some of these growing up, but uh, my formative moment for this podcast is it's been a while since I brought it up on the show was uh, last summer. Uh, I, I live in Japan and I was just hanging out at the family house in the mountains by myself and the floor had been replaced. I'm in the living room of this like, you know, tatami floor and like the floor has been ripped out. There's this giant dirt pit. So I'm sitting by the dirt pit inside <laughs> eating dinner and watching the Twilight Zone. You know, there's like a shovel sticking out of the of the wow. hole in the floor and <laughs> i was like this is a way to watch the twilight zone isn't it it's a very but, uh, twilight zone setup it is yeah, really yeah yeah really inspirational <laughs> but uh yeah from that point then i, I was like ah, i gotta get the blu-rays I, I have to watch all of these and talk about them so you know that that's what i'm doing <laughs> um i want to read just a little bit of trivia on this episode before we really get rolling uh the air date for this one was october 14th 1960. Uh, Rod Serling wrote the script in response to a network order. They wanted a few cheap episodes featuring minimal actors. This one <laughs> definitely has minimal actors on screen and came in at $5,000 under budget. So nice job done. Uh, we've mentioned the director, Douglas Hayes, before, and he's here right in the middle of directing nine Twilight Zone episodes in total. And that's pretty much his bread and butter in um, his professional career, it seems. But hey, nine Twilight Zone episodes, that's something to, that's something to brag about. <laughs> Joe Mantell played one Mr. Jackie Rhodes. While his resume is not prolific, he was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his part in 1965's Marty, which did win big, uh, Best Picture itself. He also appeared in Chinatown, delivering the titular line, as well as its sequel, The Two Jakes. He'll return to the Twilight Zone in the episode Steel alongside Lee Marvin. George is played by Richard D. Morgan. He got his start writing for radio and in 1958 began showing up on the TV screen in shows like Maverick, Peter Gunn, and Rawhide. After all that, he shifted to producing, pushing through dozens of episodes of 12 O'Clock High, the TV show, and The Fugitive. And we don't get stock music this week because sometimes we do. This week we get a, a Jerry Goldsmith score and that always just, you know, presses my what, Planet of the Apes in a star trek the motion picture buttons because i love those soundtracks <laughs> uh to get us into things i am going to flash the prologue on the screen and if you would not mind giving it a read and you can do this, that how oh. yeah oh, oh go ahead oh. <laughs> all right i'm just gonna dive in uh this is Mr. Jackie Rhodes, age 34, and where some men leave a mark of their lives as a record of their fragmentary existence on earth, this man leaves a blot, a dirty, discolored blemish to document a cheap and undistinguished sojourn amongst his betters. What you're about to watch in this room is a strange mortal combat between a man and himself, for in just a moment, Mr. Jackie Rhodes, whose life has been given over to fighting adversaries, will find his most formidable opponent in a cheap hotel room that is in reality the outskirts of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> got to put the pause in. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You got to do it Rod style. That's the only way. 
now, now that we're at season two, I have some people occasionally like humming the music as well, because it's hard to do that without the music kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> um, this actually was one of my uh, watching it by a dirt pit episodes last summer. So th this is one I've seen several times. I had it on those, uh, you know, old school DVDs that have the worst menus ever. But uh, yeah, this one, it's it's uh, attractive and repulsive when, when I'm looking at it on, on a dvd and i'm just choosing an episode because it's so small scale but it is really well done <laughs> you know like a almost a one one you know one person play right yeah i mean i i didn't know that it was written with those those constraints you mentioned but as a writer i kind of like getting those weird problems where you have to come up with something that fits within these odd constraints and yeah twilight zone did that a lot yeah it's really cool and um I, I don't know. I really love the episode. I love I love any kind of episode that explores identity and why we are who we are. And that's the kind of stories we write. And so this thing was right up my alley. Um, I had never seen it before. We just watched it uh, for, for the first time a few weeks ago as part of our rewatch. Mm -hmm. And I instantly fell in love with it. Oh, yeah. Then I sent uh, my request at just the right time. You know, something we'll say. You really did. Right? These yeah. things sometimes work out quite well. But um. Yeah, what what was your initial take? Because like for me, it was kind of like one act play, and um, I, I well, you just watch a mirror image too. And I feel like in a way, this is what happens when the uh, the doppelganger sort of catches up with you. Yeah, um, I think part of the reason it resonated so much with me is because uh, it has really, really strong uh, trans feelings in it to me. Uh, I'm not saying that. Rod Serling was trans or that he wrote it with that intent, but um, the whole uh, trying to find your real self and not liking the person you've been and trying to figure out how to get to be who you are is a very thing, intrinsically trans thing. And um, there are so many moments, so many lines of dialogue all the way through that uh, hit exactly home uh, that make it work so well. It's kind of hard to believe. Um, like the whole internal struggle. Yeah, but it's 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 even more than that. I mean, it's like, on the one hand, I've, I've never read anything that says, you know, that Rod might have thought he was trans. So I don't think that's the case. But he may have known somebody who was like this. And in the 60s, that wasn't a thing you could really be very open about. Even now it's hard, right? So um, there's always the chance that, you know, in talking with somebody, because Rod was a very socially, uh, social justice guy, very socially forward. And I feel like... He, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he might've been familiar with the struggles of people, uh, of trans people. So uh, there's always a chance that it could have been intentional. Um, some of it is really specific, so it's hard to believe it was accidental, but you know, coincidences do happen. So who knows? Yeah. One thing yeah, I do find with the twilight zone for a lot of these ideas, this is, you know, the first time someone bothered to put it on the television. Um, sure. I, I keep, I sound a little bit like a broken record, but on the Blu-rays, they have the, the bumpers for other shows at the end. And it's usually yeah, yeah. so yeah. much, so much dissonance. I, I, was it this one or the thing about machines? It's basically telling you to go like contribute to the party of your choice after I'm like, wow, that message doesn't fit with the Twilight Zone <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> Yeah, when I sent you an email, um, the one that, and I, I intentionally was like, choose some episodes. Um, I guess the one that uh, people were like, all over, that's last season. Oh, I the Beholder. I, that, that's the one where I was almost like wondering, is this like sort of a, uh, you know, like nascent kind of idea, uh, you know, trans sort of idea in that one. Uh, but, you know, it shows up in like multiple episodes. And one of the reasons like 
really try and bring in a lot of different people on the show is there's so many angles on these shows. I, I yeah, can't yeah. just be like, it, it, I did want to start by just, oh, let's do it. Me and my friends, I'll call it my friends. It'll be an easy podcast to do. It is an easy podcast to do, but I quickly got to the point where, wow, I need to bring in like a wide variety of voices to like talk about this properly. Sure. Uh, what are a few of the quotes that uh, I was just looking through my notes to see if I had put any specific quotes, but uh, which ones really uh, struck a chord with you? Oh, well, OK, I took notes because I knew I'd forget them. OK, so uh, the, the first one that popped out was when his reflection said uh, to him, to Jackie, that you always look like somebody squeezing you through a door. Right. Because he's always upset. He's always feeling oppressed. He's feeling pressure from society. And then he asks him where he where does he sleep at night? Hide in a locked closet, and that's pretty literal, uh, <laughs> in terms of you know trans people who couldn't be out, um, which kind of blew my mind. And even later, uh, yeah, I wonder where the whole LGBT in the closet thing. Yeah, like, I don't know the genesis that of that. Start? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. Also, one of the times when he he's you know shouting at his reflection, saying, "No, no, you're wrong." I, I can do this. I can be the the quote unquote man society wants me to be. And the first place he runs is to the closet. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's like literal. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a moment where uh, Jackie says to his reflection, "I wish I could trade you and use another model." Uh, that's when he was talking to his actual reflection, the the poor excuse of a man that uh, he was trying to be, um, which has very big trans feels to it. Um, there's the whole section where they're discussing uh, a woman from his past that he lost, right? Um, Janie Reardon, uh, you know, that you never, you never got to tell her that how much you needed her, how much you loved her, uh, and he got locked away and he couldn't do that. Uh, you know, and then his reflection says, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't want somebody who's sweet and pretty, who would love you, be kind and gentle with you, which is, you know, how you would treat yourself when you actually like who you are as a human. And if you note, Janie Reardon has the exact same initials as Jackie Rhodes. And I feel like that would be a really big coincidence. That is very interesting. Yeah. And at the yeah. end where he gets his confidence and he becomes his true self and he calls to <clears throat> check out of this room that he's been trapped in, that's been oppressing him. He tells them to call him Jack. He changes his name and or not. Was it Jack? No, it's John. Okay, John. Well, they're the same. Well, but no, they're not because John is only one vowel tweak away from Jane. Oh, I see. So he even he gets the trans name change and it's that is very interesting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's so much there. It's just, I don't know. It's uh there's a lot. There's a whole lot of coincidences. And the whole, I mean, I didn't write down every line, but their whole back and forth and back and forth is, you know, uh uh what it's like when you're first figuring out that you're trans and you don't want to be because what is that going to mean for your life? And what is it going to mean for the way society is going to treat you? And I don't want this. I didn't ask for this, but you're so unhappy with who you've been trapped in the, you mm -hmm. know, the wrong body presentation. And so uh, I don't know. I just identified with it on so many levels and it's so specific in so many of those little ways that it, uh, I don't know. It seems like maybe, maybe Rod knew somebody and was like, I could put that into a story. That's a good internal conflict, you know, that people go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking like the four dollar hotel room in a little bit. It's um, if if you've ever been to 
Disney World, they used to have like Cranium Command or, or how they got uh, Inside Out, the, the movie, right? Where it's uh, what, the whole movie is taking place in someone's head. And yeah. this kind of, ha- I think that's where the small scale of this really does it some justice because it almost is like you're just watching some guy's inner thoughts. Um, yeah. And that that kind of brings me up. Uh, I'm, I'm curious where you put uh, George in the picture or, or, you know, the gangster that's ah, yes. trying okay, to get so- murder. Uh, George, I interpret sort of as uh, a stand-in for society. And uh, the crimes, the gangs that they're involved in is sort of the way society in this uh, short has interpreted being a man, okay? George even tells him, he gives him the gun and says, it's time for you to be a man. And how's he going to be a man is by doing violence and killing somebody else who won't conform to what they want, mm-hmm. right? And so the whole thing is Jackie, uh, he's trying to be tough. He's trying to say, I can be that guy, but he can't because he's not that guy and he doesn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So um, you get that moment later where um, uh, Jackie's arguing with his reflection and he says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And then the phone immediately rings and it's George calling to see if he carried out the hit and he instantly is subdued. And he's like, I will be told what to do because this is George and this is what he expects of me to be part of society as a man. Um so you get to see how, how uh, and you know, he's under the threat of violence, which George gives, uh, tells him if he doesn't carry this out, he's going to, you know, uh, experience violence. He might be killed. Um, if you're not going to be the person society wants you to be, you're going to suffer for it. Um, so there's that moment, you know, that great, great moment where uh, the real him has finally come out and he stands up to George uh, and he defends himself and he kicks George out uh, he shows them the door. He gives them the gun back, but he disarms it. He takes away their ability to harm him with because he doesn't care what they think anymore. Um, so, yeah, it all it I don't know. It, it all fits together so, so well. It, it blows my mind. Yeah, for sure, because I'm sitting here thinking, um, you know, like there are things in America like, uh, you know, we talk about like toxic man- masculinity and especially yeah, yeah. in the States. It's like, you know, you need to go out and be ready to punch someone in the face, pound a few beers and that sort of thing. And that, I'm wondering if that's where I ended up in like Japan, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I like keeping I mean, to my own bubble, keeping my opinions mostly to myself, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm, even back, it was definitely, um, you know, toxic masculinity is a thing that we have a big problem with in the U.S. right now, but it was it's always been here. It, and it was definitely, you know, really strong in the 60s. Uh, 50s, 60s, you got to be a man, you know, you can't show emotion, you got to be stoic, you got to be tough and violent. Yeah, there's a really strict set of circumstances that you had to perform. Right. And that was true even, you know, in the early 60s. And so um, I think Rod was also pushing back against that a little bit here because he does that in a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, you know, Uh, they generally are not pro-war or violence. Mm -hmm. So he's... uh, you know, he's always been very uh, progressive for his time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like this is like the first progressive show. I have a lot of, you know, like Star Trek related guests on here because for me, I'm like, well, they they kind of go together, you know, the same <laughs> sort yeah. of messages that right. people complaining like, oh, you have these two woke messages in New Trek. It's like it's always been like that since exactly. 1966. <laughs> They've not been paying attention. Right. Yeah. Or it, and also or like looking at it now, you don't realize how progressive it was, you know, when you take into consideration right. the time and World War II had not ended that long ago. Yeah. And, 
having a Japanese American on the bridge. It was like a big deal. <laughs> like Yeah. And then a Russian after that. Yeah. Right. So. And that's like, you're getting into cold war. I mean, oops, I'm not supposed to say a bad word. Am I? I, <laughs> this PG? I, have, a, I have a fantastic sensor I can use. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's it's fine. Now. I, I love my sensor. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but yeah, the, fact that the jordan peele twilight zone they also had a bunch of like you know oh it's too progressive and and you know there's there's things in progressivism which maybe don't sound perfect to me but i'm certainly let's talk about it you know maybe you might convince me or i might make a good point i don't know you know uh that the you know this the echo chamber and the increasing polarity of everyone in in the states you're on this side and you're on this side and it's you know it's interesting to talk to people with different views <laughs> Yeah, I would I would say that if if it's not progressive, it can't be the Twilight Zone because it has been the heart of the show since it was created. You know, Rod, uh, there was that story going around that he it was created because he wanted to tell a story about uh, Emmett Hill and they wouldn't let him. And so uh, they said it was too political. And he said, well, what, what can I do to get these messages across? I can couch it in science fiction. Right. And that's how they get it through. And so uh, if it's not, I mean, not every Twilight Zone episode is, is necessarily political, but uh, at heart, the show is. And if you're doing a new version of the Twilight Zone and it's not going to have that progressive political heart, then it's not the Twilight Zone. And really, the, the pilot is not so much that way. And that's right. probably why the show made it on the air, right. <laughs> which you is did amazing. That like, it's like not as Twilight Zone-y as the other episodes, but right. also like... Rod was like super famous when this show started. Yeah. Like he was a big deal. They were going to let him do stuff. So he was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And that's, it's pretty cool. He used actually. his powers for he, good. He used his powers for good. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they were like, what are you doing science fiction for? You're, you're a top writer. Why are you slumming? And, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> I, 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 I hope, I hope that was the first time someone said, hold my beer, please. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go make the best one of the best TV shows ever. <laughs> um, while we're just laying out basic ideas, is there uh, any, anything else that uh, definitely if you have something in your notes, I want to hear it. So, <laughs> um, Let's see. Tilly's like super prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I covered a lot of the big stuff, but um uh, let's see what what haven't we talked about? I'm scrolling through here. Well, you know um, what? I was just gonna mention how cool it was how they shot this episode, like yeah. with the the actor, like they did those mirrors like glass, like he was just behind it talking, like which is very cool. It was rear projection, I thought, or something like that. Yeah, where it was he like filmed, he filmed the reflection parts first, and they projected yeah, it there for him they, to actually right, react so to he could, he could yeah. interact with right, it right. more naturally, which is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And the actor, um, let's go find his name again there. It is uh, Joe Mantel. Yeah. I mean, just he makes the two versions so different, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. Really. He does it, a great job. It's really hard to even convince yourself you're watching the same person, which adds to, to your your allegory. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's I love that moment at the end where, you know, George comes in. uh 
you know, sort of give him the consequences for not being the man society wanted him to be. And he's got his head down and you're like, oh, what's going to happen to poor Jackie? And he looks up and you instantly know that's not Jackie. That's uh-huh. the real him. He's ha- He's got confidence now. He was yeah. lacking any kind of confidence. And that's a big thing. Um, that I noticed like with my own transition is that pre-transition, I had no confidence. I was super shy. I was super reserved and withdrawn from everybody in public situations because I didn't know how to interact with people on top of trying to pretend to be a man that I didn't know how to be. So it was so Mm -hmm. difficult, but once that was removed and I got to just be myself. Now I, I'm like happy to talk to strangers I've never met before. It's really weird for me. Um, but I have this, this newfound confidence. I'm okay with approaching people and talking to them because I don't have all of that other baggage weighing me down. I mean, I don't, but you can, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're different people. That's how it goes. We are. Yeah. Weird. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I've, you know, got, you know, I can, uh, my friend was just like, hey, let's do a podcast. Sounds like fun. But, you know, I started realizing like this is oh, this is kind of my tool to become more outgoing and, and to get into more, you know, lots of interesting conversations with lots of different yeah, yeah. interesting people. Right. You know, back to track that you're idic, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yep. So uh, I, we might hit upon a few more points, but I'm going to shift gears into the questions that I ask each episode. Got to make yeah, it seem like I have it. a format. The first okay. one should be pretty easy because there's only two people in this episode, which is uh, who exactly <laughs> went into the Twilight Zone? <laughs> it seems like kind of a dumb question in this uh, setting. But <laughs> Want to consider well, George? <laughs> you know, uh, you could make a case that, that uh, George, a.k.a. Society, got thrown into the Twilight Zone because that's kind of what happens when a trans person comes out because it throws the false, you know, binary order of society into chaos. And that's what happened to George, right? Jackie uh, embraces his true self, becomes uh, John, right? Not Jane. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you're, you're right. And and then he throws him out and you see instantly the second he stands up for himself, George becomes meek. He runs away. He doesn't even fight back. He's like, Oh my God, I can't handle this. I don't know what to do. And he's just bolts. So uh, you could make a case that society got thrown into the Twilight Zone. Like get every time someone challenges the status quo, it pushes forward acceptance. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. You just you just set up my second question to be a doozy (laughs) because I think we I think we should talk about George in this case then Um, or or, but if you want to talk about, you know, John, Jack, Jack, John, we can do that as well. Uh, But the question and, and I. When I made the, I, the question, I didn't realize how loaded the word is. And now that I've done about 40 of these episodes, I'm like, oh, this, this has, is a little bit of a loaded word. But do they deserve their trip through the Twilight Zone? <laughs> well, George definitely does, because, you know, uh, society has tried to impose this sort of uh, false order on uh, everybody for a really long time. And I'm sure everyone around George imposed it on him and so that is you perpetuate the the cycle right right he perpetuates it i mean like there's even the the old guy that they want jackie to go uh get rid of because he wouldn't conform to what they wanted him to be and he caused problems and uh, george tells him if you get rid of him it'll send a message to all the others Mm -hmm. that if you don't conform you're gonna experience violence that's not acceptable right so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like in this case, it's definitely George like, mm-hmm. in society that go through the Twilight Zone. Yeah. But um, yeah, 
that's that's a very interesting i hadn't considered that but yeah i think i mean it's definitely you know uh jackie becoming john or aka jane uh is sort of the through line and the main point of the story but yeah i think it goes the other way for i mean you know the the opening and closing voiceovers tell you that it's jackie that's going through the twilight zone but I mean, and you can make a case that, you know, discovering your trans is kind of like going through the Twilight Zone when you understand why the world felt broken your whole life. But, you know, maybe there's a case both ways. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking and um, with with John, Jackie, Jane, whatever, you know, the three yeah. J's, we'll call them the three J's. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's like before his his well, his transition, he's such a broken man. It's like, yep. Yeah. Yep. So does the yeah, it's it's he kinda, doesn't know what to do. He's super nervous. He's, he's super just, nervous. He's he got doesn't nervous trust habit. any of his actual feelings. Right. He's always chewing his nail. And the funny thing is, after we first saw this, I posted on Twitter that I could not believe how trans this episode felt. And uh, a trans woman friend of mine, uh, who is also a big Twilight Zone fan, had uh, was familiar with the episode and was like. Holy crap, I never saw that. <laughs> and I also used to bite my nails pre-transition and I stopped once I transitioned because oh, that's wild. I changed so much. Yeah. I was like, how about that? Your habits change because you're not a, a nervous wreck all the time anymore because <laughs> the world makes sense. Hmm. I, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta claim some nail biting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we all do it sometimes. It happens. Yeah, my, my, the, my bugaboo is, um, have you ever restless leg syndrome? Oh, yeah. I got a lot of I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, OK, yeah, yeah. You know, because again, if it's like people that don't have it or like not that someone made that up, you know, I, I mean, no. I don't take medicine for it. But yeah, everyone probably once a month, I'll just be in bed at like three in the morning, like, you know, just kicking, you know, <laughs> so I, used to I guess do that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah in bed. Yeah, I, st I still do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and that well, I mean, that's three in the morning. That's when you at least feel like your legs don't fit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess watching this guy's inner turmoil, like that's the thing. Um, our, our, our 3J dude is not, he's not experiencing Twilight Zone. He's in experience, you know, actual like my life is in the wrong place, you know, uh, yeah. fallback. Like he's, he's experiencing the real zone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. Absolutely. Could be, could be. I guess, I guess George is the one that actually takes the trips so, and hopefully learn something from it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, my third question is, well, I used to do psychedelic record reviews where I would do a quality review, which I just don't want to do for the Twilight Zone. So I use my other rubric, which is the tripometer. Uh, how trippy, how psychedelic is this episode? <laughs> uh, zero is it's not trippy at all. Um, five is it's super trippy. Um, Susan, I guess I'll ask you first because your name is first on the Zoom. <laughs> it's not that trippy. I mean, I mean, Twilight Zone goes pretty trippy. It does. <laughs> so this is like a two, I would say, on the scale. Okay. Uh, Tilly, where do you want to throw your rating on this one? Uh, it's a zero for me because it's it's my <laughs> life. It's what I went through, right? It's I think it's very very similar to what almost every trans person goes through. So. Not trippy uh, at all. It's not trippy. I mean, it's trippy in that, oh my God, this has happened to me and I'm seeing it on TV. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, no, it's not, <laughs> this is just normal life for trans people. This is, that's what I'm, what was so surprising uh -huh. to me. It was like, you took what happened to me and put it on TV. 
<laughs> decades before I was born, Rod. How did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I was. I'm actually going to go higher. Uh, I'm going to go to the four, and I found um, a lot of the time that what I decide is trippy is kind of more reality bending than like seeing weird things on the screen. And now Ooh. this one I, gets an extra point for me just because all of those mirror effects, like that's I just like you know, breathe in that sort of uh, stuff on 1960s television. That's awesome. I love it. And so it's yeah. like we get our effects shot for like half this episode. I'm like, OK, that, for me, that that ups the score. But just the idea. And, and I mean, I had it kind of pop in my head as you were starting to do your breakdown. But I'm like, I feel like when I think back to this episode, it is like I'm standing outside of some someone's brain and just looking in the whole time, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and, that's that's trippy for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, it it uh, I did find it a little trippy at first at the end when he spins the mirror and his reflection keeps getting closer and closer and bigger and bigger. And uh, but then that trippiness went away once I figured out why I connected so strongly with the episode because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's just the real him finally coming closer and then right, taking right. over. Because as soon as that scene ends, uh, you know, the nervous, uh, broken, beaten down Jackie is gone. So right, right. Yeah. But it, that's another one reason I like these questions because um, trippy means different things to different people. Yeah, so, it's all you know, subjective. Right. The explanation is, you know, usually more than the rating. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah you, you spoke, when we did the Matrix, you, you spoke to my co-host, Luke, who has basically uh, been giving his tripometer ratings when he's on as a hmm. Huh? <laughs> he'll just give like <laughs> he'll just give a noise for what his tripometer rating is, which hey, maybe that is more effective. I don't know. <laughs> so um we we can uh I guess go ahead and put this one in the in the shop, but uh but Taylor, I guess this one's your episode since we're you're doing a double header. Would you uh tell people about where they can find um you yours and Susan's work? Yeah, okay. Um well, we run a uh, podcasting company that has about 20 different shows. Most of them are scripted. Uh, you can find those at pendantaudio.com. They've been running for a really long time. Lots of them have very big back catalogs. Mostly it's uh, sci-fi shows. Weird, right? Weird. Um, <laughs> uh, as you mentioned earlier, you can find uh, our writing website is at birdguest.com. It's got links to all of the writing that we do in comics and uh, tabletop role-playing games. Um, there's no links to our TV work yet because we can't talk about it yet, but that is uh, happening and links will go up once we can. Um, and we write for the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game. I mentioned the role-playing stuff, yeah. Yeah, but you didn't say it was Star Trek. Okay, well, it is the Star <laughs> Trek Adventures role-playing game we're writing for. And we're possibly writing for another game too so that we're working on there's a whole bunch of stuff just go that's what the website's for yeah. <laughs> go there and uh, and we're on twitter all the time yes. tilly's always on twitter okay i'm very online <laughs> um you can find me at tilly bridges on twitter and uh if you are interested in uh if you enjoyed me um breaking this down in a from a trans perspective you can find all of my uh matrix um, franchise trans allegory breakdowns in my pinned tweet. There's like 24 threads now, 65,000 words or something like that. Uh, it's a lot of words. Covering everything. And um, so if you dug this, then you may dig those. And I'm at Susan L. Bridges on Twitter. So whatever. So whatever. I'm there for it. Whatever. <laughs> you are responsible on Twitter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I haven't quite Actually, you know what? Um, I usually end up booking my guests through like Facebook or direct emails. I think you're the first person I've actually booked through Twitter myself. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So I'm so honored. <laughs> I'm just I'm just learning the Twitter how to how to use Twitter in 2022. But you know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a promotional tool for me, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, use it that way. Mm-hmm. I I found my biggest social thing these days is a, a you know a nice Discord, right? Which sure. actually is uh, the Mission Log Discord because um, I hang out in there and you know we, we talk about these episodes, we talk about Trek, of course, and uh. You, you just find a, it's a large group of people and, you know, all of them are kind of groovy. Right. So sure. Because <laughs> Facebook, it's like you post something. Your, your great aunt is like that looks like a nice sandwich. You took a picture of there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the beginning and the end of it. Right. So pretty much. <laughs> um, so you can find this podcast on Twitter, though. It's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I will respond on both. So <laughs> the fact that I don't use Twitter that much doesn't mean I won't respond to the Twitter. Um we're on Patreon under the podcasting umbrella of Podcastio Pod Podcastio Podcastius, where you also hear us break down uh, sci-fi films at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary, and uh, go listen to the one where Tilly breaks down The Matrix Reloaded. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that really good podcast. I was like, wait, I did that one. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like di- divorced myself from that podcast. Like, oh yeah, I was actually involved in that. That's cool. <laughs> so it happens to us all the time with our writing. I'm like, oh, we wrote this. It was so long ago. I didn't even remember. It's like I know. It's like I'm saying, or like, yeah, I'm listening to an episode of one of our shows and I'm like, wait, I did that. Did I write this? <laughs> like I start to recognize the touch. Sure, you're like, this I'm is like, really oh, good. I bet I wrote this. I know, I? right? This yeah. isn't annoying me. Oh, it's mine. <laughs> now, usually I try to end this episode by saying something mildly witty that probably fails most of the time, but I'm going to uh, tell people how to not not tell you not your perspective on this episode, but the general like uh dealing with yourself in a mirror thing um there's a meditation that i sometimes do late at night i don't do it that often because it's really intense um if you have a candle you use a candle uh, or just really low lights and you just stare yourself in the uh right eye in the mirror as long as you can and weird things happen it's kind of cool <laughs> it sounds a little creepy yeah i did that when i was in sixth grade but um <laughs> great. yeah and said bloody mary oh you did times. that oh that's yeah, a different that's thing, a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is supposed to be. I, I read this from the, the Tibetans. So, <laughs> but hey, maybe the oh, Tibetans, interesting. Maybe this, maybe the sixth grade Tibetans are off playing Bloody Mary. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps it was a Western interpretation of the Tibetans. <laughs> <laughs> we had to add violence, right? That's what we do. And add violence. Yeah. Okay. All right. 